0: Hi and welcome back to the Fleet Navigator podcast from LeasePlan, your go-to GPS for all fleet matters. I'm joined once again today by Andy Rayner. Afternoon, Andy, how are you? Good afternoon, Matt. Very well, yourself? Very well. It's a long time since we last met, but um, on the agenda today is uh, we're going to be talking about risk, defining risk. It's... How it plays a part in your fleet and your thinking and your overall travel strategy. It's quite a broad area, so we'll be talking about how you can mitigate risk, what it means, what the legislation looks at. And um, I hear a lot of narrative now in my day-to-day about, you know, nobody ever really pays attention to grey fleet. Never, nobody ever gets done in inverted commas for, yeah. for for company car drivers or company fleets. And actually, quite the contrary is true. Uh, we, you know, we have seen some fairly hope high profile prosecutions even though those prosecutions haven't been of major firms but the legislation is there and risks should be a concern for any business that runs a fleet or otherwise right yeah,
1: absolutely yeah, the three main reasons for fleets to avoid risks are obviously the obvious one because they're legally obliged to prevent or limit the accidents, and, and three to save money. And I guess from a, just a corporate and social responsibility to their employees and other road users and people around and about, it's just the right thing to do. It's,
0: yeah, it's the right thing. Some of this stuff we talk about in these podcasts, you know, be it legislative change, or be it congestion charging, or electric vehicles, is some of this is optional. It's things that you have a choice about or it's legislation that's coming that you need to be concerned with. Risk and being risk-aware and and risk-averse and doing what you can to maintain standards in your fleet, whether that's grey fleet or your working fleet or own license fleet. fleet. So grey fleet, what do we mean by grey fleet? So any vehicle that's being driven on company business that isn't owned by the company, Mm. so a non-company car. So if I'm an employee car ownership scheme driver or I'm using my own car and I am travelling whilst on business, I am part of that grey fleet challenge. So there's a difference. It should be stated that there's a difference between commute mileage now. So if I'm travelling to my place of work or I'm travelling from my place of work to home, that doesn't constitute my business. However, if while I'm at work, you, for example, are are my boss and you ask me to go and Deliver something, or deliver something, or can you just a a CYJ because time? Or can you just go there? Or then that again is a grey fleet journey and and, and should be of concern.
1: Yeah, and many people, you know, talking about commute. When you look at, you know, if you look in detail about, you know, if you're a private individual running your own vehicle, which these grey fleet vehicles are, your insurance just doesn't cover you for for work and the moment on work time you are no. that's it and that you're on on an errand it is a duty of care from your employer's point of view that they had checked you were licensed to drive that your vehicle was roadworthy and that you're insured whether you thought, well, they should have told me, it doesn't matter. Uh, the buck stops with you. And I think, you know. Is that controlling mind piece. Yeah, but it, and it's, it's a really odd one because I think it's this thing that, that kind of probably, you know, as we're talking to fleet managers, if anyone's sort of that out listening to this, that if they look deep inside themselves, it's probably something that probably keeps them awake at night once in a while oh, yeah, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. But actually, when when these things do come to light, uh, either through an accident or prosecution, suddenly realise, wow, hold on a minute, I I missed that. I just assumed, you know, there's a term, I was just travelling hopefully, hoping that someone else was looking after this or someone else was was paying attention to it. So, you know, risk like compliance is one of those, I guess, perceived as one of those less sexy topics, but absolutely key to the Mm. operation of your business, the efficacy of your business and everything else around
0: I think you raised a good point in terms of some of those checks and with some of the firms that have experienced challenges with their fleets or investigations there's this wonderful term called the road theft safety investigation manual which if there is a fatal or a near fatal collision is immediately invoked by the police motorways closed and actually it's health and safety executives job to come knocking along with the police right. to investigate that first and foremost with you as a business and they really only ask three questions is the individual able to drive i.e have they got a license are they capable of driving have they got the training etc and expertise necessary to do what they're doing and prove it and it doesn't matter whether they've got the first two you have to be you have to be (laughs) able to prove it to them yeah Yeah, it absolutely is and you know these guys don't pull any punches but again we're almost moving straight to the stick and and not the carrot which is you should have measures within your business that are controlling those risks is it enough that you simply ask for a copy of someone's license Should you actually be enforcing the fact that if people do want to, for example, take an allowance and use their own vehicle for business, should you keep a copy of their maintenance records? Should you keep a copy of their MOT? How far do you go? And actually, the answer to all of those things is yes, for best practice. Because if they are driving on ball tyres and something does happen, as an example, because tyres are a really salient one, because that difference between legal and illegal is, is quite narrow. And if they are caught, should you note that? Should you understand that as a fleet? Well, yes, because it's your responsibility. You're the controlling mind. You cannot divest yourself of of your duty of care as an employer. And whether it's a company car or whether it's their own vehicle, or it's a tool that they're using on site. It's exactly the same thing. It's
1: your responsibility to make sure they're safe. Absolutely, and I think in so many cases, you know, whether you look at sort of training or awareness, it's very easy to say, "Oh, God, it's paperwork," or it's, it's legislation, <laughs> or everything else. I mean, this is what risk management really comes down to. As I said before, you know, keeping people safe. The statistics are sobering. According to the latest Department of Transport numbers, in the five years to 2017, a total number of 2,631 people were killed in accidents involving someone driving as part of their work. Uh, That means 24,647 people were seriously injured, 201,137 were slightly injured. So if you put all these numbers together, a quarter of all road casualties... In the five years leading up to 2017 involves someone driving as driving part as of part their the work. Job. You know, Where? Um, you know we can probably never reduce these numbers to zero, but all fleets should still, you know, strive to do so. You know, the casualty statistics are not the end of the human costs. You know, the tra- trauma of an accident from hospital time to legal bills, bloody blunt, mm. um, you know, they should be considered too. It's
0: got to be said, there's some easy tools to help with this, right? I mean, yeah. we're not going to name any in particular. You know, we're not here to advertise, but, you know, Brightling watches, if you're listening... <laughs> Um so, I knew
1: you'd get it in.
0: <laughs> it's not about there are easy to access, easy to use tools that help train your drivers, whether it's online set of tools to check in red, amber, green, very, very easy ways to yeah. check in what your drivers are doing. Yeah, we do use them at least plan. We have to go through it regularly. And if you do over a certain amount of business miles a year, you have a set of training mandated to you. Mm. That might be a couple of hours with a senior instructor out on the road. That actually might be four hours in a a, a classroom doing something different. But we're very 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 focused on making sure that our people are safe and that the people around them are safe and that the vehicles are driving as tools of their business are kept up together and it's very very important no and i think
1: a lot of this stuff has to start somewhere and insight is is you know if i said to you are you a decent driver you'd say yeah of course i am I've been in a car with you, have I? Uh, No, but you're, you're, you're in a situation <laughs> where, you know, we, we're, we're on autopilot. So your yeah. perception of how you drive and your ability. So the great thing with these tools you talk about is, and you saw it with some companies, insurance companies and, and the like, who've rolled out various apps and they gamify almost, you know, can you be the best driver in your family? Can you be the best yeah, driver in your absolutely. company? And it's actually when you take your employee base through this stuff, these little actionable insights start to poke through and you go, actually, hang on a minute. If we look at all the accidents we're having or all the risks that we're bearing, we think it's because we're running a fleet of 600. But actually, if we focus on those 10, we might be getting somewhere. For someone who thinks, yeah, no, I'm a great driver, when they suddenly get that score back and go, whoa, hang on a minute, maybe I, I need a little review of the, mm-hmm. the, the highway code or a little bit of a top-up bit of training just on driving in different re- weather conditions or driving different types of vehicles. It's all important, but it's got to start. And so insight is, it's no good just asking someone, are you? and Because they're going to yeah. say, yes, of course you I am. Everyone's going to say you know, yes. That's right? it, you know. So I, I, that's what I really like about these tools, is they just bring into sharper focus either what someone suspected or actually what someone had no idea about. That's a starting point. OK, so now we know what we're dealing with. What do we do?
0: Yeah, and, and we've touched on telemetry in, in, in previous episodes. And you know there are some very cost effective devices now that aren't there to necessary track location but they are there to track driver behavior yeah. so who have i got in my organization so not just from a health and safety yes but also from a driving style perspective who is exhibiting harsh acceleration you know who is perhaps cornering into harshly if, if there's some of the accelerators the in there so what is happening in my fleet but it I would just come back to basics at the very, very basics. So particularly for small medium enterprises out there that don't have substantial budgets to do these things. If you do have fleet drivers out there. So it's vital that you make sure that you know you've got an accurate copy of their driving license, the photo card ID, that it's in date, that it's applicable to the classifications of vehicles that the driver is going to drive. And it's vital and crucial to make sure that they're insured. That last count, there's something like 16 different types of business insurance. Wow! So from the most common, which simply ensures you for limited business mileage and check, because that generally is a limited amount of business mileage, to unlimited business mileage carrying tools. There's a vast range and you must make sure that you have proper business insurance in place and good practice that as a bare minimum, making sure they're able and making sure that they're insured. But good practice says you should also be aware of the vehicle's condition. If you run a small fleet and you you know the guys are in, have a check of the vehicle, have a walk of the car park. Well, that was going to be my next question. We've been talking about
1: checking drivers. But what should fleets be looking at in terms of daily vehicle checks or actually the check of the suitability of the vehicle and the performance of the vehicle?
0: I think fleets can learn, and certainly car fleets, can learn a lot from their commercial vehicle counterparts. Mm. So there is no reason why you can't request your grey fleet drivers to submit to some form of daily check, weekly check, that they're actually yeah. signing off to you saying, yes, I've checked my tyres and they're roadworthy. Yes, I know my oil is, is OK. Because apart from anything else, if people start getting serious amount of points on their licences... A, it might prevent them from driving, it might cause disruption for you. If you think that for any illegal tyre, it's for three points. If you think that little known one, actually, if you're driving below the minimum, even in your washer fluid, it can cause you three points. Wow. And if you get an overzealous enforcement officer or in your, in a particularly bad mood when you're stopped at some point, they're going to look for these things on the vehicle. Yeah. And before you know it, you're into multiple points territory. Yep. And they may completely rescind your business insurance. They don't need to rescind your insurance completely. But if you are driving on work for work purposes, they can rescind that individual yeah. part. And the disruption is, is huge. We've kind of moved away almost now from the Ferrari there was in 2008-9 when the Corporate Manslaughter Act was revised. And if we remember that act was revised to hold individuals at the, at the top of organisations, particularly accountable, yeah. as well as the individual's introduced the concept of controlling mind and it also introduced this concept of you know you could be fined up to 10 percent of your turnover that's not profit that's your turnover but also you would be this was a slightly acrimonious one that you'd be forced to take out advertising in relevant publications to inform your counterparts what a bad person you've been Wow. and fleet managers and, and, and travel managers look at this kind of thing and say well we've not seen any of that we've not seen any of that come to bear not in a big bang kind of way. Yeah, It's almost like someone's been holding their breath to say, well, when's it going to happen? But best not be you, right, Mr. Fleet Manager? Yeah. But actually, what it has done is bring into that sharp focus about when we do start thinking about fleets looking again, perhaps, at WLTP increasing company car tax. We've, we've covered that in one of our other podcasts. And that, you know, is it now the time to look again at perhaps providing cash? might surprise you to hear that as someone who works for a lease company, I would say, yes, you're absolutely right to look at that as part of your business now, yeah. as part of that perk fleet. However, if you do decide to offer that, you should be offering it with underpin with a decent personal contract hire, yeah. some form of affinity scheme, or, some form or some of scheme. Even
1: fleet policy. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Something that says Yes, if you take yes, an allowance is available to you. But if you take it, this is where you need to spend it, and this is how you need to behave. Yeah,
1: yeah, because you're abdicating some of the taxation responsibility and some of the administrative responsibility. The one thing you cannot do is abdicate your responsibility for that driver on work time. And I think it's and you see that quite in the van market as well. The difference in quality between the over three and a half ton gross vehicle weight. Trucks that are subject to operator licence, more stringent checks, more legal legality around that. And you, you look at the light commercial vehicle market where they're not controlled in that way. And it's almost, you know, it's down to the, the company and the fleet managers to look at that. I think, you know, there were some stats from the DVLSA last year that said something uh, like 89% of those light commercials that were pulled over were found to be overloaded. Now, that's probably skewed because you're going to pull over the one that has the four ladders on the roof and that's listing, <laughs> li- listing significantly to the, to the left. But, and again, just under 50% of those vehicles fail their first MOT. And these are bigger vehicles, you know, carrying lots of stuff, hurtling towards. So that's what th- what happens if we don't self-regulate. If we don't take this stuff seriously, then that's where you find legislation being brought in. So all the government would do is say, okay, we're going to reduce the weight limit. So these vehicles then are now included within these more, more stringent uh, requirements to running their fleet. So it's best to get in there and take that seriously yourself, I guess. And again, you've talked about tyres. We talk about you know mobile phone use. Yeah. You know, yeah, again, yeah. a lot lot of these vehicle checks that you do, you're. Comm- admitting to say, well, I won't operate my mobile phone, but, you know, have they got hands-free? What's the policy around that? Because not only is it six points on your licence now, but obviously, you know, a massive impact at the wheel if you're reaching for your phone. So it's all those sort of things that, as that responsibility comes into the mainstream, these drivers, these employees, these people are your mm. responsibility. So, as I say, risk might not seem sexy, but it's there. It's unavoidable. And if you get it right, then you, you sleep at night. Mm.
0: I think this pulls us back quite nicely to where we started in those three reasons to avoid risk. I think, as you said, because you're legally obliged to, you don't have a choice about this. It's written in statute. It's written in legislation. It is your responsibility as fleet operators, fleet owners. If not you, somebody in your business is the controlling mind. And if you don't have anybody that's listed as the controlling mind, it will be the most senior person in your organisation. So, again, that's enshrined in law to prevent or limit accidents i can't think of as a manager within my business with a team of people that i look after i can't think of anything worse for me than one of my guys being involved in a very serious accident and either being a serious injury or fatal themselves or causing a serious injury or fatal themselves even worse than that would be if it would be my fault that that would would just be horrible no absolutely but also there is an opportunity to save money driver training does cost money these document upload sites, doc storage sites, and online training do cost money. But evidence shows time and time again that the money that you can save by training your drivers appropriately and putting them through these things far outweighs the costs of actually putting them in, those, those savings that you can get. Yeah. And not forgetting, as a minimum standard, if you remember anything about what you have to do, you're obliged to do, you must be able to prove that the driver is able to drive, you must be able to prove that they're capable of doing it, And that proof is an absolute must. And if it's to do with the vehicle, you must prove that you have
1: been carrying out regular checks along with the driver to ensure they're safe to drive. No, absolutely. You know, and I think, again, there is other ancillary benefits to your fleet a better checked fleet is a better looked after fleet a better maintained fleet again as people are potentially looking at other funding options taking cash they may be looking towards something like personal contract hire for mm. example we know Matt that the statistics around the amount of personal contract hire that go out on the road without a maintenance package or contract yeah, it's is, high it's yeah across the UK it's um, you know only about 20% of personal contract hire contracts have maintenance included yep. within them so the driver has said oh, that I'm taking that on myself but who's checking that they are what's what the cost
0: that? you said to me the other day about there was a study that looked at how many uk households had adequate funds for emergency spend yeah there was a report so think about a, a clutch going yeah. or you know two tires needing replacing at the same yeah. time or something like that
1: yeah so the fca have done a really interesting report on vulnerability actually it's called the occasional paper eight i don't know what occasion it's for but it's okay. uh but it was produced a couple of years ago and there's some you know i'd urge you if you know just it's a good read you can find it on the fca's website but it stated that, yeah, just under half of all UK adults have less than £300 worth of savings or we have enough savings to cover an unexpected cost of around £300. where well, you're looking at the current tyre cost, that would only be a couple of punctures or a couple of things yeah. going wrong. And then you're in a situation where saying, I'm not going to take maintenance as a as a reduction of my monthly cost, suddenly looks a bit silly when, they, when you're, you're faced with these things. You know, coupled with the fact that I think the study last year said that you know, if you're a small fleet operator of vans, that a van off the road for one day costs your business upward of 750 yeah, to, you yeah, know it's to £1,000, you know. So, again, when you've got good policy in place, when you're taking this stuff seriously, when you're doing more regular checks, you're preempting a longer-term vehicle being off the road because you're keeping it maintained, you're, you're looking after it properly, and also you're fixing your costs as well. So, um, as I say, it's not... When you start to dig into this, there's lots to talk about and there's lots to consider. But actually in many cases it's just getting started and uh, and that's the point you know the point of these these podcasts really is, is you know we want you to sit down if that's the little nugget you take well if not now then when And that's the question i would ask
0: i think that's good insight but as always, guys, um, if, you've got, if you've got questions that you want to put to Andy or myself, then uh, if you go to insights.leasebrand.co.uk, you'll land on the Fleet Navigator page. There's a web form in there that you can fill in, and you can find out lots more fleet information, et cetera, that you can use. Andy, thank you once again. You're more than welcome. And, uh, and we'll Good see it. you next time. Absolutely.